So, Neil. Joe. You were telling me that they're coming for the kids. What do you mean by that? Who are they and what are they going to do to the kids when they get them? Well, the state is correct in all things, always and forever. Okay. I agree with that, yeah. Yeah. The state has decreed that the <clears throat> children should. Is it conditional? I'm not quite sure. Sometimes it sounds like must, but we'll get into that. Be vaccinated against the COVID. Right. The state everywhere. Or in many places so In many far. places, yeah. So... And because they're following the science. Right. The state knows the science. The science backs the state. Right. Everyone uh, believes the state. Right. In all things. Right. Naturally. So, what's wrong with vaccinating children uh, with this vaccine? Don't kids get a load of vaccines? Exactly, yeah. I mean, many things are mandated. Right. Since, well, a long time. So, why would anybody make a big deal about it? Yeah, exactly. What's the big deal? But I'm asking the questions, you know. <laughs> You're answering them. Okay. No, seriously. Yeah. What's the big deal? Give me a narrative. Give me something. Well, the COVID is dangerous. No, give me a narrative. What's the big deal about it? Why oh, should okay. anybody have a problem with it? Why Why would, what do you mean by the common fear kids? Like that's a negative, that's a pejorative way to describe mm. it. Like when kids get vaccines all the time, this is just one more, right? Yeah. So what would be the problem with this one? The problem is, they say, another day, hmm. that the effects of this are unknown. Right. There were no long-term trials, which would right. normally happen. Those other vaccines, which are, quote, unquote, mandated for children hmm. from infancy in many cases, I mean, within days of birth, right. across the Western world right. anyway, are usually subject to a decade or more of mm -hmm. research, mm -hmm. animal trials, initial clinical trials on humans which go back again mm. to the next phase of testing there are three main phases of testing where i think the first is toxicity effects the second is right something else escapes my mind and the third finally is efficacy mm. in other words the final test the real test of a vaccine is taking into account our earlier phases of testing in which we asserted these risks and dangers at these kinds of ranges of risks of probability, therefore affecting this percentage, minuscule or large, whatever, of a population. Given those risks, which we will include on the vaccine insert, we have to, by law, is it nevertheless beneficial in terms of efficacy and opening it out to the entire cohort, in other words, the age bracket of children, on a nationwide basis, which would in most countries be millions and millions of children. And is it appropriate to the risk as well, I is suppose? Is it appropriate? And at that point, they have the thumbs up or thumbs down. Right. So, but, well, yeah, I mean, it's a good question, you know, and I think it's part of the, the, the narrative, at least for a lot of people still, is that, you know, kids get vaccinated all the time. Many parents have taken the kids for, to get vaccinated um, you know, like you said, from birth and then afterwards, whatever. And I think in France, there's something like 11 different vaccines. And in the US, it's actually more than that, considerably more than that. But, you know, the average kid, by the time they're 10 years old or something like that, will have like something like 
what was it, like 20 or something, maybe 20? Uh, it's, it's some it's, high it's number. It's higher in the United States, but yes, some something, high number something of like a two dozen. So what's the big deal with this one? Well, the big deal with this one for me is the context in which it's, be, it's happening. It's happening in the context of the past 18 months of, um, of, of government policies around this disease, this, this virus, um, and how they're mandating it, basically, you know, forcing it. I mean, kids, other vaccines are mandated in the sense of like in France and other countries, you ha kids have to get vaccinated in order to be able to attend school and stuff like this. And they're, so they're trying to just shove this one in alongside it. But I think they've, they're stretching a bit too far. They've, they've pushed, they're pushing a little bit too far in, in because of the context in which they're doing it. The context yes, is not just about a new vaccine for kids. This is in the context of mandating vaccines for adults, first and foremost. And then now, once they've more or less mandated them, by the back door, basically, like saying in, in different countries, you have to have it if you want to enjoy civil liberties. So people are being, adults have been coerced over the past six, eight months to get a vaccine. Uh, and now that that mandating is following on to children. So mm -hmm. it's already left a bad taste in, in many people's mouths in terms of how they've been forced to get a vaccine. Um, and now it's continuing on with kids. And that's why I think people are, are not happy about, about kids. First and foremost, anybody who has a bit any more awareness of the situation knows that uh, kids have extremely low risk to, um, to, this, to this virus or from this virus. They, the, the numbers in the US, for example, are something like over the whole period, the past 18 months plus, uh, three, just, 300 just, children. Just before you break down... Yeah, I was just going to say that as a point. The like. key assumption underlying the whole thing since day one in late February 2020, mm -hmm. the key assumption is that the risk of mortality is high yeah. from COVID-19. For, for adults. Hence, the, it's uh, official designation by the World Health Organization as a pandemic. Yep. And then later we learned through experience that indeed, when you break it down, it's different. There's a differential. Yeah. So there's a risk. meme out there. There's a, there's, a, there's a meme in a certain sense around that spread around the entire global population that this is a deadly pandemic. But if you, look, if you look at the numbers, that doesn't 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 uh, doesn't match. Doesn't fit, and it definitely doesn't fit with kids. I was just going to say that in in the US officially, there's been 300 children have died, quote unquote, from COVID, out of 74 million children in the US. That's 0.0005%. Is that really the absolute number? Yeah. 300. That's 300. super low. Yeah. Relative but, but to e other... But even then, I would even put a question mark over it in, in the sense that the CDC requires that every child who's admitted to hospital, and I think this has been the case for most of the last 18 months, every child that's admitted to hospital for anything has to have a COVID test. And this is the problem that we've had with, with the adults <clears throat> as well, going back that have generated numbers where you have a case-demic, people call it a case-demic, where everybody's being tested, no matter what they go to the hospital or the doctor for. <clears throat> and then those numbers are used, if it comes out positive, those numbers are used as a positive case. Therefore, this person has COVID. They may be at the hospital for something completely different, but they also have COVID because they've been given a test. Um, well, we, just to get an idea of the way they're talking about kids and why people might be a bit annoyed about this, people who, like I said, who are informed. If we just go to our pictures there, Scotty, um, children, one, for example, <clears throat> children can get hit hard by COVID. Here's why doctors say kids should be protected. Increased hospitalizations, long COVID, blah, blah, blah. Next one. Good, a, good, uh, a, good, a good little bit of information there. Uh, infomercial by, I think that's ABC. What to do if your child is exposed to COVID-19 at school? What should you do? Well, 
it shouldn't freak out for a start, as we'll, as we'll find. Next one, these are just a few that I picked. Nearly one in four COVID cases are in children. What that means the school year starts? Well, it doesn't mean very much at all, is the thing, although the title is suggestive that it actually means something, but it doesn't really mean anything. And like we said about cases, every child that goes to hospital in the US and in most other European countries, every child who goes to hospital for anything gets a COVID test yeah, by ma mandate of the CDC. Even that is factually incorrect. Cases is one thing. Um, Actual absolute numbers. Look at the descriptor for cases, COVID-19 cases. It's not a COVID-19 no. case. It's a positive or a negative test for right. remnants of SARS-CoV-2. Right. COVID-19, as we've said is a, a thousand times, well, is a disease with clinical symptoms. I've given up on that because people just are like, whatever, it's a name. I've given up on complaining about that. I've complained about it. I've complained about it a lot that people are using the wrong language. This, this, there's so, such a major problem with this whole situation that people are using incorrect language to describe what, they're, what they mean. They're talking about COVID. I tested positive for COVID. No, you didn't test positive for COVID. Like you just said, COVID is a disease that has, you know, is identifiable by, you know, fairly significant symptoms. Uh, you know, most of, for most people, like we say, very mild or whatever. But if you people, when people people understand what people understand by have COVID is that people are in a bad bad way, right? I mean, it strikes terror into people's hearts when mm. they say, oh, "I had COVID." So you assume that. Let's assume, and it's, and it's true. If you have COVID, we should use that definition that you have fairly severe symptoms. Uh, you're in bed. You're at home. Maybe you're even in hospital. Um, again, the vast majority of people recover, but. Uh, using that term, I had COVID, when you've tested positive for some remnant of a virus in your system is a completely incorrect way to describe it. And it just fuels the hysteria, the misinformation, and the lack of understanding uh, around this entire situation. So just jump on to the next one, Scotty. I'll just, there's a couple more just okay. to make the point. Study suggests young children most likely to spread COVID at home to family members. Again, another study that suggests this, that, or the other, blah, blah, blah. But that could have been a headline from last March. Yeah which was the rationale for why you must separate children from their grandparents. Right. Because they acknowledged that the highest risk of severe illness and fatality was in the elderly already by March. Right. Hence, we must not right. go and hug grandma. Right. Children, right. keep them away from right. grandma. Exactly. Except that that's one study. There are other studies obviously showing that, uh, you know, well, there's lots of studies showing, and everybody should know at this point, that children literally have about a one in a million, depending on their age, one in a million or one in three million risk of being hospitalized or dying from COVID. So it's pretty much the same as the risk of being struck by lightning. The vast majority of them, because of their immune systems, it's well known they've got a very robust kind of primary immune systems because they're young and not decrepit like us. So um, they basically deal with the virus at the point of entry, wherever they get it, they deal with it very quickly and it's gone. That suggests, and there are studies that show this as well, that they don't transmit it. You look at schools, you know, there's no transmission of the actual uh, uh, of, of any kind of significant, you know, viral load or whatever in schools, to teachers, between pupils so, and teachers and all that kind of stuff. Someone that, needs to tell the American Teachers Union that because well, they've been terrifying their stance is the exact opposite two years in. Yeah, but they've been terrifying into believing that, but it's not actually the case. Right. And there's, I mean, you can look all this up. There's a wealth of information now. People just do a bit of research to show. Of course, the problem is there's a lot of conflicting studies and you have to wonder what's going on there. But if you look at studies, they kind of like, they're never categoric, you know? They're suggestive of this or suggestive of that, and it's based on a small number of people in the study and a particular geographic area and all that kind of stuff. You know, you have to try and, you can look at those and, and you know, use them for to inform your position, but your position has to be, 
you know, it has to be ultimately a kind of global position, the overall picture of it, not one specific thing, because that's what people are doing. They, they'll talk about some, like, outbreak in one place in a country, and they won't look at the specific details of who and where and why and what, and and they'll freak out and they might lock down that entire country. That's something Australia likes to do, right? They get a little outbreak somewhere up in the freaking bush, you know, up on top of uh, Ayers Rock or something, some abo got a bit of a cough and the whole country gets locked down or something, you know? Um, so... Yeah, um, kids basically, my point is that kids, because they're effectively healthy children, are effectively immune to this. It means they don't carry much viral load. It means their transmission of it is extremely low as well. So that whole idea of protect granny by not letting your kids hug them is mostly bogus. Uh, granny or granda who got COVID and maybe died, like we've been saying repeatedly, are the people uh, or people who had a very short uh, Time left anyway. Time, or left, something. time left to live. They had short life expectancy, basically. You know, the average age. What was the average age of, of the ninety five percent of deaths? Eighty three or something. Well, it was in most extraordinary countries. that it was higher than life expectancy. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that that, that tells you something. It it's tells you that people just... are living longer, but not necessarily in good health. You're keeping people who are, you know, who in another era and bygone era would have already died, uh, keeping them alive, but in very poor health. And then a virus like this, or the flu virus, or any other similar virus comes along. They're called um, dry tender uh, by government statisticians when they do the numbers every year for you know how many people are going to die this year, how many people died this year, how many people should have died. Is it above or below expectations? If it's below expectations, it means that there wasn't much of a viral transmission this winter, so we had a lot less deaths among the elderly. But those people who didn't die this winter because of low viral transmission, they're called dry tender because come next winter, they're gone. When there's a, or, or the next time there's an increase in viral transmission, they're gone. Governments look at people in this cold, calculating, sterile way. They have to. And they do, have done for forever. Yeah. And yet governments like government spokespeople or government representatives on TV when they're speaking to the public like to present themselves as people who have bleeding hearts for every single person who ever got. And people buy it, you know, and they just, most people just don't live in the real world. You know, it's hard to live in the real world because it's not, you know, it's a, it's a real world and it's kind of like, it's not uh, pink, fluffy unicorns all the time and stuff so and it's for a lot of people that's a bit a bit rough for them to take they prefer to believe the the, the comfortable narrative they like to think that their authorities are taking care of them and that extends from government to medical personnel uh, etc and it's just unfortunately not not realistic uh, it's not the way it is anyway uh, there's maybe is there one more scotty um well, actually, yeah. See, use of hospitalization spiked in children, teens this summer. Again, lack of lack of contacts, lack of data spiked in teens. How many hospitalizations? And a, t a tiny amount, you know. So this is the scurrilous, disgusting yellow media who like to hystericize, like to sell newspapers, like to get clicks on websites and put up headlines, headlines like that. And that's true for every other headline we've just seen. Completely lacking context and tending towards hysterical sensationalism that in many cases totally misrepresents the situation like that headline okay uh, so, so spiked relative to what exactly That's the first question many? is begged yeah but the second question then is okay assume there's a correct there, there is a an objective uptick in the data is that then the case are you you're not suggesting that however marginally small it is this increase this that they describe as spiked mm -hmm. Is there nevertheless something that has increased? Possibly. Specifically here, hospitalizations. 
COVID-19 hospital, which look, presumably they're sick. Look at the sick. data below. Children in states with low vaccination rates were nearly four times as likely to be hospitalized with COVID-19 compared to those living in states with higher vaccination levels. According to data released Friday by the CDC. However, virus related emergency room visits and hospital admissions for young people ages 17 and younger increased over the summer across all 50 states, the data showed. Again, data, increase, blah, blah, blah. What about the numbers? Show me the numbers. They kind of undercut. I mean, so there's a slight increase, you know, in, in some states that had a lower amount of vaccinations. Everything, all of this reporting is designed and filtered and twisted through the minds of the people writing them in order to encourage vaccination. Everything. You can read it all the time. It's all, the point of it all is to, is to, you know, encourage the population, push vaccines, that's it's an agenda that clearly has an agenda and they're and in order in serving that agenda they don't give objective data there's not one in that in this article and in the rest of the article there's, there's no figures either there's no actual figures they just waffle on in the same way they don't give any numbers because like literally when they say spiked in children they could mean i mean it, it could be it's not exactly this but it could be that uh hospital hospitalizations in children in the u.s across the entire country, spiked from 1,000 to 1,100. Right. So it could be, that could be a 10%, that could be, that could be a 10% spike. And 1,100 children out of 74 million is how many? 0.001% or something like that. Do you know what I mean? So, but you don't give those figures because they make people think, well, geez, this isn't a big deal at all. Why are you, why are you even talking about this? Yeah, exactly. You wouldn't be talking about it if you, would, if you were to give the context and the accurate data. So they don't talk about it and produce headlines like this so they can write articles and get clickbait and, whether intentional or not, Drive. scare the population into... Having their, bringing their children for get, get, COVID-19 vaccine. To get vaccinated. There's just two. I mean, as an example, I picked five of the scaremongers, scaremongering headlines to try and get children vaccinated, but the last two, Scotty, are, um, are harder to find. But it's because the media doesn't report on it. This one, for example, says that because one of the things they said that children with uh, disabilities are particularly uh, part of the reason they try and get you know, push vaccination for children. And uh, let's start with the children with disabilities because they're most in danger. And the quote immunocompromised. Immunocompromised. Yeah, but was... then you know, there's been studies done that show that's not the case. That kids with disabilities in schools with other children, with other healthy children, they have no. But this, no this is risk. confusing now because when this began a couple of months ago, the first thing they said was that we're going to encourage vaccination in children with disabilities. Two months later, the headlines suggest the opposite. COVID-19 transmission is rare for them. Yeah. It's not, it's not that so they won't vaccinate them. This is it's conflicting just data, data. Conflicting data. With their opening narrative explanation for why you ought to bring your children for COVID-19. Yeah, well, at least your children who are in, have some kind of health issue, which is, you know, thankfully a very tiny percentage of the population, the vast majority of children are healthy. But even for the, the children that they made the case for, it's this, not necessarily this true. It's not necessarily. <coughs> this is why our task is like it's, it's, impossible. It's the opening act in the current drive with vaccines in children was, okay, just those with disabilities, severe medical issues, immunocompromised in some way or another. Okay, so that sounds plausible and reasonable. And, and then that opens 
the, the gates, so to speak. And mm -hmm. then two months later, it's the, the reality, the data points to the opposite. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. Too late. By then... Horses bolted. Healthy sports-playing teenagers have been vaccinated. Yeah. And a bunch of them, a disproportionately large percentage of them are coming down with, uh, you know, for, for vaccines. Heart for issues. With, with myocarditis, heart inflammation. Uh, there's just one other one. They only, they only really found two when I did a search of the media for articles that played down or, or announced, not played down, but announced objectively and truthfully that children are a tiny, at a very, very small risk uh, from, from, from this virus. Same as the flu, basically. This takes me back to January last year, that headline. Yeah. But that's also we true for adults. We were saying that. And that's then, true for adults as well. I know. But we said, look, we've done some basic numbers on this based on what the Chinese were reporting. And that is what we were reporting mm -hmm. in January 2020. Yeah, and we're, which, back, we're still here. Which spurred a uh, massive sustained barrage through February and into the lockdowns of, no, this is not like the flu. Mm -hmm. You're this not is allowed the to Black say that. Death. So who was factually correct? Who followed the science? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's not being represented in the media. The truth is not being represented by the media because the media, for some reason, is on board with the government. They're, well, they're following the dictates of the government, right? A lot of the media, especially the major mainstream media, uh, you know, they take, they have a very close relationship with government and always have done. They get information from uh, government insiders for their uh, scoops and their exclusive stories and stuff so they're, they're they've always been dependent on them and uh, they have that relationship going back a long time so why would they change it now um yeah so yeah the uh there's there's i mean yeah well, go to the go to the guardian um article there scotty just to follow up on this that's just another piece of data that it's from july um about New Zealand, yeah. New Zealand children falling ill in high numbers. Now, this is, this is one that I came across and went, oh, the falling numbers in high numbers due to COVID, to COVID. And I thought, no, wait, it's not falling ill in high numbers due to COVID. It's falling <laughs> ill in high numbers due to COVID immunity debt, which has nothing to do with COVID at all, um, except in the sense that, well, it has to do with uh, the measures that government put in place to deal with COVID, i.e. lockdowns. Um, so basically, the article says New Zealand hospitals are experiencing the payoff of immunity debt created by COVID-19 lockdowns, with wards flooded by babies with a potentially deadly respiratory virus, not COVID. 46 children currently hospitalised, of course, is New Zealand, and again, 46 children out of 5 million. <laughs> again, it's like, even when they're not talking about COVID, they're talking about, it's 46 out of, well, there's 5 million population, maybe break that down by a quarter. Usually it's about a quarter of children. So there's about 1.25 million children. So 49 of them are in a hospital. Yeah. Uh, um, anyway, uh, 46 children, sorry, 46 children currently hospitalized for respiratory illnesses, including respiratory syncytial virus or RSV. Um, we covered it at the time. It was exactly. New Zealand, Japan, the US, UK. And the reporting was fairly accurate. I mean, the, that headline is kind of confounding factors, but at least they included immunity debt. Immunity debt was explained as a side effect. Oops, we didn't realize yep. that caused doing lockdowns would break the normal right. seasonal transmission so, of common bugs. Right. Just which would have to be paid back, so to speak. Yeah, for by sure. Everyone when lockdowns were lifted. Yeah, for sure. Compromising people's immunity because of lockdowns, and then 
it's it's part and parcel of the dry tinder factor. It's like being paid back but for the benefit of lockdown. So we all enjoyed lockdown so much now we have to pay for it. Is that the idea? Well, no, that's just a yeah, scientific but that's term. What, but that's, that's what happened. Yeah, that's effectively what happened. The way the guy says it, epidemiologist and public health professor Michael Baker used the metaphor of forest brush fires. If a year or two have passed without a fire, there is more fuel on the ground to feed the flames. When a fire finally comes, it burns much more fiercely. Basically, you know, for viruses. What we're seeing now is, is uh, we've accumulated a whole lot of susceptible children that have missed out on exposure. So now they're seeing it for the first time and they're getting particularly ill for it because they don't ha haven't built up an immunity to it. Now, that's 46 out of... Do you know how many children in New Zealand died of COVID? Zero. Uh, I don't know. I, I couldn't find the actual numbers, but it's very likely that over the period of time uh, the past 18 months in New Zealand, there were significantly, significantly less children in an ICU because of COVID than there are because of this uh, resurgent RSV, respiratory illness. RSV and other forms so in, of... In, yeah, yeah. So in New Zealand, in terms of children, uh, the net benefit of lockdowns for children has been, well, less less than zero. It has been no benefit. It's been detrimental um, for them. Uh, so, you know, a society that doesn't take care of its children, um, well, you know a lot about that. But uh, the, horror, the, the horror of it is that this objective result of the detrimental effects of government slash medical interventions in the, in the previous 18 months have now produced a reality. In some localities, across the West anyway, where indeed they can objectively say, well, there is a spike in ICU child hospitalizations, which is a consequence of the lockdowns, which can be conflated with COVID-19, in part because the symptoms are so similar, but mainly because You're testing them. the first thing they do when they bring them in is test them for SARS-CoV-2, abbreviated to COVID-19, and say, oh, it's a COVID-19 case. It isn't a COVID-19 It's a severe bronchitis brought on by the immunity death created by the interventions to chase the COVID-19. It's, it's such not, a When children weren't, weren't job, in like, danger of it ever at all. At this point, you have to either be... Well, you're following along. All you're seeing is the headlines. You're feeling the fear. And you're not paying attention, yeah. Or you're paying attention. And or you're paying attention. Well, and, and, you're, and you're angry. <clears throat> the minority that are, they're angry and they're reacting. I'm angry for, 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 for good reason. Uh, I mean, especially people in New Zealand, or sorry, in Australia, have more reason than anybody to be angry. Look at, uh, go to that uh, Queensland Premier Guardian article. It's another Guardian article. Um... Queensland Premier vows to stand strong on border controls until all children are vaccinated. That means Queensland, the biggest state in, of which there are five or six in Australia, uh, is saying that basically they're not going to get out of lockdown. The serious restrictions that are in place in New Zealand and Australia are going to stay until all children are vaccinated. That's like from zero, like from birth. Um, and that's in a country that went from just three weeks ago, a total vaccination rate they claimed was just 17%. Right. Yeah, and just look at the subheading there. Fewer than one in 1,000 infected children have entered ICU. So one in 1,000 <clears throat> infected children have entered ICU, but they need to get vaccinated anyway. I, I, I mean, it's, how, do you, how do you deal with that kind of doublespeak, like where it's like we're saying, basically the data says there's no risk to children, but we're going to vaccinate them anyway. <coughs> 
Um, and no one gets out of lockdown until that happens. Until it happens. We're going to punish you all until it happens. Um, but the other thing about that subheading is that it really annoys me. And even in the one in 1,000 infected children, <clears throat> how many? One in 1,000 is an absolute number. I want to know the absolute number of infected children in Australia. You can bet your ass it's a tiny, tiny number. So one in 1,000, 1,000% of a tiny number already. And then you want to know, give me the absolute number that are positively, positive test cases for SARS-CoV-2, whichever variant, and then tell me which of them required hospitalization because of that or because of the immunity debt, RSV, and other type of bronchitis-like respiratory illnesses that they are actually manifesting symptoms for. It gets smaller and smaller the closer you look. Um, Absolutely. But the headlines and the government just go on and on. It's um, it's and, horrifying. And <clears throat> speaking, we'll flip to the other side and look at the elderly. Now, go to the other uh, Guardian article there, Scotty. Uh, care workers in England leaving jobs for Amazon and other better paid jobs. Hmm? If you just read the headline, that's like, well, they're allowed to leave their jobs. But why are they leaving? They're free. Care workers are quitting to become Amazon warehouse pickers and for other better-paid jobs in a growing staffing crisis, which operators now warn could leave 170,000 vacancies, 170,000 vacancies in care, care home staff by the end of the year. Uh, <laughs> Policy revealed that slowing rates of the double COVID vaccination among care home staff with 87,000 in England still not fully jabbed. <clears throat> From November, here's the problem, they will have to be fully vaccinated against the virus. Uh, Three quarters of care home operators are reporting an increase in staff quitting since April. The key reasons being a desire for less stress and for higher pay and to avoid mandatory vaccination, which comes into effect on November 11th. Last night, the Health Worker Union Unison called on ministers to immediately scrap the no jab, no job policy, warning, warning that they are sleepwalking into disaster. And that's a good term because that's, that could be applied across the board to what's, what's going on with this entire situation. Is that authorities are sleepwalking into disaster? Well, you know, some of them obviously don't care. Maybe they know, maybe they don't. But the people who are going along with it are sleepwalking into disaster. It's not the government. The government are forcing a forced walk of the population into into disaster. Right. Yeah. There's some. There's been some back backlash on mid levels of management. Right. Um, Nursing. Are they, are they, I can't recall now, I don't have the headline to hand, but either at the state or at the private healthcare level, the employers of nursing, nurses in some US states looked at the figures, looked at their mandates, they were either, they either signed along to or they were forced from higher up still at the federal level to get all their employees to sign up to, looked at the deadline, looked at the remainder still to be vaccinated and realized they would be hit with 30% or more loss in staff in one fell swoop Mm -hmm. this month or the next month, whenever these deadlines come into effect. So they backtracked on that and said, we are undoing, we are not now going to go along with that mandate. You will not be required. So at some mid-levels, they just do the simple math. I mean, they have a statistical mind. They are either big business managers or they are... Uh, state officials, right, and they're doing the the they're following the logical conclusion of where these mandates coming from higher up are going. 
and so they're lifting them. We might, I think we'll see some degree of, is it common sense? I don't even think it's, it's, just, uh, it's, it's basic economic sense at government levels. You think? I think so. There's going to be some. There are some examples of undoing yeah. or fighting, quote-unquote, fighting back against the pressures that, no, no, all healthcare workers must be vaccined, vaccinated. Yeah. Um, yeah. But still, the overwhelming pre pressure is in the opposite direction. Um, yeah, for me, like, I mean, when I read these articles, these headlines, the hysterical headlines and, and the negative effects of all this kind of stuff like you're just describing, it's... Um, I kind of get the impression of government and the media hysterically waving their arms, trying to convince the population that there's a there's a real danger to their lives here, and that's what they've been doing that for the past eighteen months. You know, freaking out, trying to freak the population out, and a lot of the population though respond to that, have responded to that. Initially, they took it on board and said okay, um, but then as time went on, they started looking around. and They don't see the 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 reality that the government is saying is there that there's a deadly pandemic you know people are you know it's, it's people are dying it's kind of like the black death and so people are look look around and they don't see that as as a reality so they kind of like tend to ignore it even even people who kind of went along with mask wearing and stuff but then they start to because the government doesn't get the response required from the population doesn't hystericize them as much as they want and they see the population are becoming less hystericized because there's, they don't see a reality behind it the government then wants to force that reality onto, pe onto people by making them act as if there is a deadly pandemic by locking in their homes and stuff they're doing in Australia and stuff they have done over the past 18 months in, in, other, in other countries, you know. And if you, I suppose the idea might be that if you force people to act as if it's a deadly pandemic and people could, you know, there could be millions dead in, in, in a moment or in a month, if you force people to act in that way to take precautions as if that is reality and they can't they internalize that themselves and they start to believe it you know uh, i think that that has been the effect of the measures the re restrictions on people's civil liberties is to try and force people to believe against the evidence before their eyes and it has worked well but for some for most there is even, a sizable minority everywhere who just go i'm not believing i'm not i'm only going to believe what's in front of my eyes basically I, I, I want proof i want to see the evidence and there is no evidence for what you're saying at least to the extent that you're uh, sounding the alarm there is no evidence so i'm not going along with it i'm pushing back and that's what we expect that it's like 10 percent of the population maybe who knows 10 depending on the country um but the rest it's not even the rest are fully fully on board there's an awful lot of people i would say a big majority of people out there who are just quietly trying to get on with their lives and not looking at any of it and waiting for it to go away so they can get back to normal life. If that happens, that's a good bet. If it doesn't happen, uh, it's not a good bet because you've missed a big part of the process of it going somewhere less less wholesome as uh, uh, than, that, that we might like, you know. Um, that one, Scotty, put, like, I mean, one explanation for it all. People keep asking for explanations. Why would they do this? There's lots of explanations, possible explanations. The last one I just sent there, Scotty, is one explanation that everybody should take on board. Um, not that one. Uh, that one. Loads of money. Billions. And this is just booster market. Um, of course, the booster market is another job for the entire population of <clears throat> well, as much of the globe as you can. But already, billions have been made from 
pushing the vaccines in the way they've been pushing them on, on the population. So, I mean, really, can anybody discount that? Can any reasonable person discount a greed factor in this? Can you say that greed and monetary um, profit is totally irrelevant to these people and it's only about public health? Who, who, who would say that? What world, what reality, what world does someone who would say that live in? Yeah. I, I can't, I don't, I, I just, I don't, I just can't. I know, it's, it's. Can't get it. It's, um, it should be obvious. Well, something that struck me is the number of, um, I suppose, generally extremely skeptical people, commentators, influencers, thinkers who, you know, anti-war, anti-corporate greed. Oh, they've been on that stick for decades. It's their <clears throat> bread and butter. It's their market, you know, anger at government having been bought out by financial interests. Right. Big Pharma, they've got... The, They've got books written on Big Pharma's role in in, in influencing in, government, uh, yeah. buying government agencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do they call it? Regulatory capture is the fancy term for it. Right. For the scientific explanation of corporate greed overtaking what decisions governments make. Those same people were up there. They got their shots. They're yeah, telling their followers, sure. yeah, yeah. what the hell is wrong with you? This is a real pandemic. This is a real pandemic. Get so the, the vaccine. I know it's some, Pfizer, but look, this is bigger than Pfizer. So this is about the future of the human race. That kind of spiel. That's the effect of the media and government propaganda over 18 months and the effect it has on, on, on people's minds where it makes them, or it has the capacity to make them forget yeah. everything they knew beforehand. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty powerful. That's, that's crazy, you know, um, to, to remove all doubt from someone who was full of doubt beforehand. Fear, I suppose. Fear is the is the enemy in that respect. Um, on boosters, Israel, Israeli government this week is uh, expanding. It's already well underway. They have something like 1.8 million of us, 10 million citizens, who have accepted a third booster shot awesome. of Pfizer. Pfizer has exclusive market share in uh, Israel. And now it's been rolled out. Booster shots for 12-year-olds and up this mm-hmm. week. Booster shots um, for everyone. Free boosters for everyone. There's an, a carrot thrown in the mix byline from Haaretz. Israel also announces that those who have received their third shot will be exempt from quarantine upon return from international travel. Mm. Yeah. This was explicitly laid out. By I think it was Sweden and Portugal, two countries, two or three countries just this past week, uh, banned people from Israel from traveling, from entering their country <clears throat> people because of the rise in quote COVID. Unquote, COVID cases, COVID cases or COVID infections or whatever. But the bottom line is the vast majority of them are vaccinated. So you have a country where the vast majority who's on first of vaccines and the vast majority of the people are vaccinated. Other countries are banning those citizens from coming to their country because they might spread the, spread the virus after full vaccination. People, That's why they're bringing in boosters, right? You need boosters to be able to go to other countries now. Right. People jumped on that, but I point out that uh, Sweden also introduced it for anyone traveling from the United States. Right. And several other Balkan countries. So they were careful, if this was even a consideration, they were careful that it would not be exclusively be Israel and draw attention to the fact and that be, it's the most vaccinated population on the earth. Because you'd be anti-Semitic if you were. If you Something like that. Or Israel might fight back and yeah. do something. I don't know. So, okay. Um, boosters in Israel. Boosters 
across the board. I mean, because the vaccine isn't working anymore, right? That's well, the, the big. They won't say well, that. Will well, they? the big study was done to show that people who, who actually they who, will. people who had a prior infection with with uh, COVID and had a natural immunity that that yeah. immunity was stronger, significantly stronger than the immunity conferred by the yeah. by, by the Pfizer it, vaccine. It's, it's just one of the dark things about this, where you cannot help but question their motives. Obviously, the greed motive in the, in the example there of Pfizer. In January of this year, before the primary rollouts had any time to show any kind of data in terms of efficacy or whatnot in Israel or elsewhere, the United States, the Pfizer was interviewed by Bloomberg and their guy, the CEO, Borla, Anthony Borla or something, yeah. explains Greek dude. Ahead of the results that have come in in the last eight months, ahead of that, he explains in no uncertain terms that he what he foresees is annual yeah. COVID-19 shots, quote, just like flu shots. Yeah. That was the market position, clearly, that he sought mm-hmm. at the outset. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, the data actually supports that. Mm-hmm. Oops, it looks like. And Israel has done similar bans of travelers from other countries, with the rationale being you cannot come in because you're fully vaccinated, yes, according to the goalposts of several months prior in late spring, early, early summer. Mm-hmm. But now the data shows that the efficacy it wanes after five, six months. Right. You must prove a recent infection. Infection, oh, preferably, of course, a recent shot of right. COVID nineteen. A more recent, vaccine. yeah, like in less than three or four months, because it so wanes after five or six. The policy and the results from the vaccines are, are synchronized, and mm-hmm. they seem to have been synchronized from the outset. Mm-hmm. They knew the efficacy would not be. Yeah. But part of the lie at the beginning was, oh well, you must get this because natural immunity will never crap. Yeah. Since then, data shows natural immunity is far superior and long lasting. Yeah. The, it nearly always is yeah. vis-a-vis uh, artificial vaccine immunization. Mm-hmm. And now, well, that would normally be, normally we, we, could, we would imagine that the news that the vaccines are not working would be just a curtain raiser. Yeah. Just be the end. It would blow a, a hole in this thing and yeah. it would be governments would fall kind of thing. Yeah. No. From no. the outset, they knew that. They were perfectly comfortable with expecting to flip that narrative into... Into boosters. Ah, it's got to be every six months. Right. An mRNA experimental vaccine. And why would... God why, knows what it's doing. And why would they do that every six months? Well, the first one, obviously, money, is money, 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 money. Yeah. Well, obviously, for, for Pfizer, yeah, and for other vaccine companies, it's like a boon, you know? It's like it's like Christmas every day, you know? Um uh, just on Australia, uh, I mentioned uh, Australia and how um, how they would win the the, the asshole prize uh, across the world for being totalitarian assholes, uh, the most totalitarian assholes of of them all. Really, um, there's you know they we we were talking earlier on about the Australia. They announced it a few weeks ago that they're opening a a quarantine facility. Um, that will have 500 beds by the end of this year and will have uh, up to 3,000 beds by the middle of next year. So next summer, Australia's going to have a 3,000-bed quarantine facility outside uh, outside Sydney. 
uh, obviously the Australian government isn't planning on this ending anytime soon, if they're doing that. Um, but just to give you an idea, there was a video posted by a guy inside one of these, well, as a quarantine hotel, but it's policed by the police. So the police keep in your room for 14 days in a hotel. Uh, it's the vid I sent, Scotty. Um, have a little, we'll, we'll just let you look, watch a little bit of it just to give an idea of what it's like inside one of those hotels, actually. Well, yeah, watch. So it sounds like they want this guy to stay here longer, which is concerning for me because he's stayed here for 14 days. And he doesn't even have a crossword to I feel for these guys. This is shit. This is hotel quarantine. It's three hours away. So he's supposed to be at 12 o'clock midnight. I reckon he's been here two weeks. This is out of control. This is police quarantine. This is shit. This is totally shit. Poor guy. Fucking hell. People go crazy in hotel quarantine. You obviously know there's a guy going off his head. Listen. Why is he going off his head? Is it because he's supposed to be let out and you guys haven't let him out? Can someone call me? Can a doctor call me? Because I find this really disturbing. No, don't. Hi, there's a guy going off his head. You obviously know that. There's a guy going off his head upstairs. He's punching walls. Yep, yeah, can I ask why he's he doing that? Is he supposed to be released from police quarantine? Yeah, but... Jeez, okay, bye. Fuck.
I think it's my next door neighbor. I don't think he's having a good day. But I heard him say, I'll say it again, that he was supposed to be released. And this is what I get worried about. I'm supposed to be released at 11.59 on Tuesday night. And he's still here. And I reckon I'm scared that after spending 14 days here, 338 hours in one room with no air, and then they tell you you can't leave, I reckon I would go off as well. People can't understand the insanity of hotel police quarantine when you can't get any fucking air in here at all. It's madness. It's absolute madness. And you have, what do you have, seven tests in here? Like he's negative COVID. Seven times. All right, I got the end. I feel for this guy. <clears throat> Surrounded by police. Yeah. Um, wow. So the sad thing about, for me is that anybody would put themselves in a position where they ended up, that. where they ended up in a hospital, in a, in, a, in a hotel room like that, or in one of those quarantine facilities. You know, um, why would you ever do that? I mean, it's complete cluelessness to, to it's a lack of like self-preservation in a certain sense, or a lack of yeah. skepticism, or at least an, an iota of suspicion about the intentions of government. Yeah, that's what happens when you when you don't have that healthy skepticism about the intentions of government. You think it's all for your benefit. It's this is for public health. We're doing it to protect you. We love you. You know, kissy, kissy, just go to the hotel, everything will be fine, you'll be, you, you'll be a hero, you're, you're protecting the population and stuff, and then that's the reality of it, and, and you find out the hard way, you know, that you shouldn't be so naive. But maybe people need to learn the hard way. Well, they have to, if people are... And in this environment, in a world where you have, obviously you have governments with less than wholesome intent towards the population, um, if you're naive and you think, if you don't, if you don't, if you won't allow that to be part of the, your reality, then you are going to learn the hard way. Probably, yeah. you better you better be prepared to learn the that's, hard way. That's definitely a big factor, and the people should obviously try to avoid putting themselves in such situations. But this is Australia. Mm -hmm. Cast your mind over other recent reports where they had helicopters scan for and find boys hanging out after dark in places they shouldn't be, yeah. police handcuffing them, arresting them and taking them home. Mm -hmm. Sports stars, whether stars or just sportsmen, period, um, found to have tested positive but not stayed home, been tested and tracked. I don't think they submitted to, you know, the app or anything like that. I think they're using, you see, the app is a bit of a, it's a bit of a mind trick because the reality is if the state wants to in conjunction with intelligence services and big tech like Apple, smartphones and so on, they can they know where you are. They know what your situation ought to be if, it's, if you are or not following the rules mm -hmm. and they've been tracking people down. There's a guy, for example, who was dragged out of a, a hotel room where he was not on quarantine, hotel quarantine, uh, he was a fugitive. That's the Australian media's word. He was a COVID-19 fugitive. He had tested positive. A COVID-19 fugitive? Yes. Not a normal fugitive, okay. And they eventually found him, had media waiting f for the show, which was police and doctors accompanying them in full house, sort of uh, medical gear, you know, protective equipment, blue, blue goggles, blue gloves and so on. 
we never saw his face, but he was named and shamed publicly. And they have him coming down and into the courtyard of the hotel um, in handcuffs, also covered head to toe in similar medical garb, handcuff gloves on him. And the uh, journalist sticks a microphone as fake after saying something like, asking him why he did it, you know, you shouldn't have been doing that. You broke the law kind of thing. The journalist was just total yellow journalism. And he says something like, I didn't, you know, I don't, I don't submit to, I don't, Yeah. I feel fine. I'm perfectly healthy. I was, in I, fact, he, he claimed I was in fact isolating at home or something like that. I mean, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that they are proactively seeking offenses. Yeah. Left, right and center. For sure. Yeah. So there's a bit more than just, try to avoid, you know, getting caught up because, you know, you're naive. There seems to be an extra element of going after perceived, if not actual, dissenters mm -hmm. as an example to set it. Yeah, well, you, if you're smart enough, you can avoid that as well, you know what I mean? Right. If, you, if you're aware of the, uh, if you're aware of the, the ways and means, you know what I mean? And to keep yourself, uh, you know, safe if you, if you, if you perceive yourself to be on the wrong side of the law in that respect, whatever new law there is, you know, um, the COVID laws, basically, if you perceive yourself to be on the wrong side of it, then you'd better be, you better expect that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? That's the kind of reality we live in. And, and people have had ample example that over this past year, if they're watching carefully of what this is really all about, what the point of it all is, you know, uh, two by two hands of blue. Two by two hands of blue. That's a secret uh, code. <laughs> It'd be a prize for anybody who knows what that reference is. Uh, I'm sure, plenty of people will actually. Okay. Uh, let's let's just on the kids thing. Go back. Go to the CNN there, Scotty. Uh, it's a, the headline is more kids are catching COVID nineteen, and it's got a it's got CNN CIA boy Anderson Cooper and I don't know what what do you call him? Uh, what do you call him out of um, Harry Potter? <laughs> Little elf. Nobody knows. Whatever the name, of, whatever the name of the elf is in Harry Potter, uh, that's him on the right. Uh, he's also masquerading as the, the director of the National Institute of Health and the all-knowing uh, COVID man. Uh, so the title is "More Kids Are Catching COVID-19." Very good, thanks very much. Uh, it's not, it doesn't mean anything to anybody. <laughs> look at the look at the, he the the banner above it. Coronavirus fact versus fiction. Fact versus fiction. Yeah, but anyway, this is just a. a Fauci correcting a prediction. It's interesting, like in terms of them kind of trying to backtrack and, and and cover up, you know, mistakes or all for the purpose of making sure that the whole thing continues on for as long as possible. Just let's play a bit and I'll tell you to stop maybe. Or maybe I'll just comment over it. Go ahead. So, Dr. Fauci, I want to get to the FDA approval in a moment. First, I do want to ask you something about you, the, that you said to NPR today. You said if the majority of Americans get vaccinated, quote, mm -hmm. We could start to really get some good control over this as we get back into the fall of 2022, right. a year from now. Is that the best case scenario? And what does control look like? No, you know, I, you know, uh, 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 Anderson, uh, uh, I have to uh, apologize. When I listened to the tape, <laughs> I meant to say the spring of 2022. Did so I, I say didn't misspeak. And in the conversation. Did I say fall? Like, as in soon? No, I didn't mean soon. That would we control over it? That we'd have some control? Because uh, people might think that control means that it might be going to end or that we go back to normal. No, 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 no. And definitely not now. I meant like next year, like at least six months away, possibly. Let, so, okay, he's clarified that. He, he didn't mean it's not going to be over soon, just in well, case anybody thought that. Well, C Cooper said to him, 
I heard you say fall of 2022. And Fauci was, no, no, I'm bringing it forward. So oh, in yeah, a yeah, sense, okay, he's yeah, off. Yeah, he's, exactly, yeah. yeah. It's not as bad as... Yeah. He misspoke. It was, it was a wish list, basically. I meant, I meant 2022, but uh, yeah, 2022 anyway. Definitely not anytime soon. Uh, get, go, carry on. Let's see what... With Mary Louise Kelly, she was saying, when do I think we're going to start to get some control? I said, if we can get through this winter and get if really the majority, overwhelming majority of the 90 million people who have not been vaccinated, vaccinated, I hope we could start to get some good control in the spring of 2022. Uh -huh. I didn't mean the fall. I misspoke. My okay. bad. Pause there. Okay. What, what? So he hopes that he, he misspoke. He hopes that we can get some good control. And it's all contingent of the on, on the 90 million people who haven't been vaccinated getting vaccinated. So vaccination is the answer to everything. Right, if everybody, if every single man, woman, child, and dog, and parakeet, and, and cat, zoo animals, and zoo, an, zoo animals are vaccinated, then we might get, notice the words, we might get some control over it, good control over it at that point. What that means exactly? Well, good control, you know, could mean anything really, you know what I mean, in terms of how it applies to people's lives or how it affects people's lives, don't know. Um, but it's all contingent on vaccination. And this is despite the fact that the vaccines, like we've just been saying, in countries like Israel and other countries, data coming out showing that they don't really work for very long. Uh, so this would tie into continued vaccinations going forward for forever and always the opportunity. Never mind the data that suggests that they are worsening and extending the pandemic. It could well be actually extending the pandemic by creating vaccine escape. Um, yeah. There's, let's just listen to the little elf. What does control, what, is that, what does that mean? Or what does that yeah, look like? To you? What does it mean? You like control, Fauci. What does it mean? Well, mm. to me, that means that you have either the overwhelming majority of the population vaccinated. Those who have been infected will have and, and have cleared the virus will have a degree of protection. And we are recommending that those people also get vaccinated because the degree of protection that you could induce in someone who's been infected, who has then recovered, and then vaccinated is an enormous increase in the degree enormous. of protection. If Amazing. we can do that with the people who have been infected, get Fauci them would be very happy. the people who are unvaccinated now, that 90 million people, get them mm. vaccinated. I think we can get a degree of overall <laughs> blanket protection of the community that as we get into the early part of 2022, getting through the winter, which could be complicated by influenza, by respiratory syncytial virus, <laughs> that as we get into the spring, we could start getting back to a degree of normality, namely reassuming the things that we were hoping we could do. Restaurants, theaters, that kind of thing. Oh, a degree of normality. You get to eat in a restaurant if everybody gets vaccinated. You notice he said um, he's backtracking. And there's, but you have I'm to under, you know the context. Much uh, better. Um, on, on that kind of stuff. You have to understand the context uh, where he said, him and others all said last year that natural immunity, like you were saying earlier on, is crap. Natural immunity, no good. Now he's saying natural immunity, yeah, gives you a degree of protection. Again, he's, he's mincing his words there. Natural immunity, the studies show, gives better protection than a Pfizer vaccine. But he's trying to combine the two now, saying, yeah, the degree of, of, of protection that the 
uh, natural immunity gives you is massively increased. Enormously. When you get, enormously increased when you get a vaccine on top. It's amazing. And if we just get those 90 million people, and he, has this, he probably dreams about 90 million people, and, but he sees them like in terms of dollar signs, right? But he probably does the math in his head, you know, 90 million times how many dollars for a vaccine, blah, blah, and he just, you know, wets his pants in the bed, you know? So, um... <clears throat> That's my interpretation of Fauci. He's a evil little elf, and uh, he should be arrested. He should be for misleading the public. For being a little. <sighs> anyway, uh, I think we should just yeah. sync up something in terms of the opening topic on this overall topic of our show, namely, are they coming for the kids? Yeah. Because that's a serious concern in that they seem to be opening, they see, already have opened the way, as we discussed, for this to become mandated. Now, the problem with this, well, among the problems with this are the fact that everyone understands the parents have a say in the health and well-being and the raising of the children, right? Yeah. That's well understood across the board. Yes, there are certain vaccines that are mandated or almost completely uptaken by young infants. But there's a major component of a social contract involved in that mothers are not brought, dra dragged, you know, kicking and screaming with their newborn infants when they get vaccinated for measles, rubella, mm -hmm. tuberculosis, etc. Mm -hmm. They understand that that's safe you know and normal thing to do or here this is something else entirely this is part of preparing the ground can you control that article from politico um apparently parental rights ain't what you think it is anymore the dangerous legal illusion of mm. quote-unquote parental rights That's awesome this is a legal argument I'm seeing it all over the place, but this is just one version of it. Scroll down there. <clears throat> Mask mandates have become politically charged subject. At least six states in the U.S. Southwest banned such mandates. And then, of course, they cite the complete, it's a false representation of what's going on out there by citing the raging Delta variant uh, representing a threat to children, although they say increasingly likely to become infected. They don't, at least they don't out and out claim that is the case. Mm -hmm. But it goes on to explain that, yeah, scroll down a bit more. Parents opposed to mask mandates said a variety of arguments, be they philosophical or political, erroneous or conspiratorial, but perhaps the most common misguided and dangerous reason is that mask mandates for school children violate ill-defined but allegedly comprehensive and paramount parental... Wow. So parental rights are a misguided and dangerous reason. Or, or, or parental rights are misguided and dangerous. So... Yeah. Uh, who's writing this? Is this is a lawyer writing it for like Politico. Nazi.com? He, he then brings up um, legal precedent. As the Supreme Court said in this case, Prince versus Massachusetts, parents are not free to, quote, 
make martyrs of their children by putting them in harm's way. Hmm. Parents, uh, governments, <laughs> interesting uh, slip up. Governments can and do limit parents' discretion with the goal of protecting the health, safety, and welfare of children. Okay. And then an absolutely farcical Carson analogy Burns. by comparison, which we've seen all over the place recently. One example is the child car seat requirements, which exist in all 50 states. So you can see where they're going with this. Mm-hmm. It is indeed the case that social welfare yeah. uh, employees in any given country can intervene. They yeah. do intervene all the time. If parents are abusing their children, yeah. Yeah. But in this case, they're going not to, vaccinating your children is going to be abuse. That's what that's they're what implying. They, that's what they're implying here that if you are not going to accept that your children be vaccinated, you'll be found to be your parental rights won't exist. Yeah, because you are putting them in harm's way. They're going to try and make it analogous, I presume, to something like a Jehovah's Witness declining emergency medical intervention when their child is seriously wounded or right. sick. For religious reasons, right, which would objectively medically put them in harm's way, right, and there've been plenty of legal precedents right. there, and that they're going to use such examples here, and again, it comes back to the underpinning of the whole thing, which is that there is a mortal and severe threat to children, to children out there when there's not, then there isn't when it's one in a million, literally um, one in a million children. To drive the point home, do you want to listen to it? The Who? Canadian Education Minister was accosted. Yeah. On the streets. I, I always want to listen to Canadians. Um, this week. Let me just send this to Scotty. I don't get enough opportunity to listen to them. It's not very clear, but I think we can hear him respond to an irate parent who's shouting at him saying, what about parental rights? And we'll hear his response. Basically, he's going to say, you don't have such. And we're continuing. We're going to continue vaccinating children until 90% of it vaccinated. It's our children, not yours. Doesn't matter. You don't even have children. They are not the state's children. That is absolutely against everything. You are. You are absolutely. He doesn't even have children of his own. I'd rather him. You are absolutely disgracing parental rights here. You are a human rights violator. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, I'm a loon. Great comeback. That's, why don't you come with some philosophy? That's all he does is name call. Real? Instead of calling me names, why don't you... We be, can call names. You're a piece of shit. That's what we're standing for. Like a piece of shit Freedom on the is sidewalk. what we stand for. You just said the state owns your children. You stand back if you'd like. I'm not moving. Yeah. I'm not moving. You got a mask. You're protected. You're good. You're protected here, too. Right? You're good. You can laugh at What I'm looking forward to is watching your political perspective be utterly annihilated in the election coming up in a few weeks and the people who are standing up for a genuine community. Yeah, because you got 1.6 billion of our dollars going to CBC. You just said the state owns your your children. We have a collective responsibility. Earlier on he said they're the provinces. He said they're not your children. He said they're the provinces' children. I couldn't make it up because of his bloody mask. But you heard that. Okay. Fascinating. So I, I, I'm not sure if he's the, 
uh, possibly he's a minister for education for the province and not nationwide. For, but for did, did he, Ontario, Ontario, uh, Ontario, yeah. Maybe. Did you hear what his thing at the end? Yeah. He's, his response has come back. We're looking forward to utterly annihilating you and people like you in the upcoming elections. Trudeau's called snap general election for yeah. Canada. Yeah. Official polls show him actually he's going he's gonna to lose. Yeah. The hubris, I think, is that these guys did that because they want to get a mandate for what they're, they're rolling out in Canada. Uh-huh. And this guy, he, he seems very confident that the overwhelming majority of people in Canada will support such things as mandatory vaccines for, of, for your yeah, children, for and children. And that you don't have any parental rights and that uh, if you refuse, then your kids will be taken away from you and vaccinated. Is that hubris or is he right? Is he is he smirking behind that mask because he knows there's, he still has majority of the population will back them? Those people are trying to see how far they can push it. Basically, they're they're obsessed. They're high on on the power trip that they're on, getting to control and dictate, uh, you know, the minutia of the lives of, of millions of people. They're loving it and they want to push it as far as they can and they want to take as much power and control back to, to themselves. Take it from the people to themselves. It's not it's not rocket science. Like you know, this has been a power trip for many politicians and many people in different, not just politicians, but down the line, doctors and different people who get to make the rules for other people and enforce the rules for other people, for millions of other people, no more so than in, among the political class who are coming up with these uh, rules and, and passing them down. And they, they, it's, it's a he made, it's a he sick, made no it's a effort sick, to reassure it's that It's a man. sickness. It's a he, sickness and they can't stop. He, he made no effort to, to say anything comforting or even to, no. to, to use doublespeak on he was that laughing. man. He was gloating he was back laughing. at him. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have parental rights, and I can't wait just for the elections to show that uh, yeah. you will, will be the minority, and we will have basically between the lines we will have been given a political mandate to trample on you people. Yeah, pretty pretty scary stuff going on. Uh, one other thing: Ivermectin, Joe Rogan. Uh, most people don't don't know who Joe Rogan is, right? Not most people watching this, but most people Out there. in the world. Don't know who Joe Rogan is. You have to remember that, even though you might watch him a lot. Most people don't know who he is. Uh, but he kind of, more people got to know who he was recently because he took a stance. He's taken a stance before on vaccines, but recently he basically said, came out and said that he had the COVID and uh, he had, it was pretty bad. You know, he had a fever and he was feeling crap, basically. Like, kind of like describing a flu. And, uh, but he said he took a bunch of things and within three days he was feeling great again. And he made this video three days later. He was feeling fine. He looked fine. And he said he'd taken ivermectin. So that was, that apparently got around enough and it was a topic that he strayed into uh, that meant that the media then had to basically give him some coverage and come out en masse in general against ivermectin as a treatment for COVID. And um, the way the media has gone about it is that they have decided, and people all over Twitter, Twitter took up the, the mantle of calling it a horse medicine, um, which it is used as a, it's an antiparasitic and it's used in horses, but it has been approved by the FDA for, well, it was approved by the FDA 40, 40 years ago, um, and it's used, has been used widely. Uh, among the human population, just a smaller dose. Obviously, yeah, you take a smaller dose than a horse, but it's the same drug. But the and media has been all over it, basically calling it the horse medicine. Didn't it? Um, wasn't it instrumental in trials and studies that led to the 2015 Nobel Prize? That's right. Yeah, yeah. 
for sure. Yeah, uh, yep. And it's, but it's, they just chant in unison, horsey wormer. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, BBC Scotty uh, Ivermectin, Oklahoma doctor warns against using drug for COVID treatment. Um, first line: A U.S. doctor is urging people to take stop taking the horse deworming drug ivermectin. Now, this is the BBC. How obtuse or idiotic or stupid or whatever do you have to be if you're a BBC journalist writing this article to start the article against ivermectin by claiming? It's, you know, in isolation, claiming it's a horse deworming drug and not yeah. mentioning that it's actually also used probably more frequently for humans as an antiparasitic in humans. Yeah. It's, cl- it's, it's, it's insidious in the cleverness of the positioning. That's the first line. Look at the third line. Small doses of ivermectin are approved for use on humans. Well, yeah, but you can say that about any, any, uh, any, any drug, you know? I mean... And this, this is the giveaway, comma, but not for COVID. Yeah. That's the giveaway well, because... Well, that hasn't been approved for COVID. But because if it were... Right, because they won't approve it. The vaccines would never have right. gotten emergency use approval. Yeah. Because there are proven studies showing its effectiveness. Yeah. Ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. That's right. why, putting on the conspiracy theory hat here, yeah. that's why they were knocked off the shelves at the outset of this in February, March, 2020. Mm. Someone knew we need to remove these several things here because without it, we won't get the legal justification of emergency use authorization. I have, I have a glass, a cup here of, uh, of horse refreshment, uh, that I'm drinking, you know, what liquid ivermectin? No, it's water. Right. It's also approved for, use in humans as a refreshing drink to hydrate. Uh, it's also used in horses, but uh, it's, yeah, smaller doses for, for humans than you would give to a horse. Why on earth would you drink something a horse's drink? don't know. It seems all right to me. Like it, It's good for hydration and staying alive and stuff. Um, I understand it could be dangerous if taken in very, very high quantities, like as much as you'd give to like a, an elephant or something. But uh, I usually don't do that. I try to stay away from drinking, you know, uh, 50 gallons of it in one go. Um, anyway, that's just uh, just wanted to let people know that uh, it has been approved. It's been used for quite a long time. Uh, killing zombies is also approved uh, by the by the FDA. Uh, um, well, just on that article, but the reason I brought up that article basically is, if you just go back to it there, Scotty, a handful of people overdosing on the drug were putting further strain on hospital staff already stretched by a surge in COVID cases. So this is a doctor called Dr. Makalea. The emergency rooms are so backed up that gunshot victims were having hard times getting to facilities where they can get definitive care and be treated he, 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 as he clutched his pearls, uh, said... Ivermectin, mainly blah, blah, whatever. Deworming is mainly a veterinary deworming. What do you mean by main, mainly? Like, oh, Jesus Christ. Anyway, is that, yeah, because horses are bigger than people and overall in the usage of ivermectin, you give more ivermectin to horses because they're like, you know, five times the size of a person. What kind of bullshit? Is this meant to be journalism? Anyway, the point well, about it is... Then he can say I was right. Anyway, this... Mainly by quantity. Yeah, but that's not how you do proper journalism. You're, you're a yellow scumbag, yellow journalist scumbag if you do that. Dr. McAleah, so Dr. McAleah, 
he's some dude in Oklahoma, doctor, and he's claiming that based, you know, he's he's kind of like justifying his 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 presence, I suppose, on the BBC, and the BBC went and sought him out because the only person he could they could get to say something negative about ivermectin. Um, he works in a or works or is associated in some way with a hospital that he's saying you know that, that the ER room is over overrun with people taking too much ivermectin or something blah blah blah. But the hospital that he actually was referring to that he claims he worked in, if you just bring up admin, Scotty, the picture admin, um, this is the 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 hospital at the northeastern health system that he was talking about and they refer this is they released this on their twitter account although dr Joyce, jason McAlay is not an employee of nhs sequoia he is affiliated with a medical staffing group that provides coverage for emergency rooms he's affiliated with a medical staffing group some independent medical staffing group that temporarily now and again does coverage in their emergency room but the important point is that he has not worked at the location that he was talking about and claiming that he was giving eyewitness reports about it being overrun, he hasn't worked there for over two months. He hasn't treated any patients right. due to complications related to taking ivermectin. So this that, includes not treating any patients for ivermectin overdose. Right. So he has no clue about the specific so he, no, claim he, no, the BBC no, brought he's up. Basically, making it up. And it, the point: what's the point? The point is to dis diminish any any potential. Treatment that isn't uh, patented doesn't have that, that that big pharma companies don't have a patent on any treatment for COVID that they can't make vast amounts of money for, which is ivermectin. They have to dismiss, diminish, trash any drug in that category that they can't make money on, and as a result, obviously push vaccines. This is another process of them pushing vaccines, and the BBC being directly implicated in pushing false information, false news, not only in their own journalism but in the people that they get to stand in and, and make commentary as, a, as as experts. They don't do the proper research and find out that the guy's a fraud, basically. He doesn't know what he's talking about. So that's a level of bullshit you're dealing with in the media and people are subjected. And people wonder why. We wonder why. Should we wonder why? People have no fucking clue what's going on and are making all sorts of wrong decisions across the board because they're getting information from a bunch of liars who, well, you know, who tend to lie an awful lot. Because um, they've got an agenda and they're stupid or whatever. Um... <clears throat> so, last one, not last one, whatever, I don't know. On Ivermectin, one more thing, uh, just to back that up. Uh, PubMed, Scotty, that NCIB, a five-day course. <clears throat> a five-day course of Ivermectin for the treatment of COVID-19 may reduce the duration of illness. There you go, that's just one study. You can go and look up. There have been multiple studies uh, done on ivermectin, the ones ongoing right now. Most of them uh, showing, you know, suggest that it shows promise to at least reduce the duration of the illness, i.e. it is an effective treatment. It's very cheap. It's widely available, but it's being um, essentially banned and people are being scared into not taking it and not even asking for it when it could actually help them. Why? Like you just said, Neil. Because they want people to take a vaccine instead. They don't want people getting better. They don't want to look into anything that would help people to get better from, my, from, from, from COVID. That's and, and why quickly. Joe Rogan's anecdote <clears throat> required, quote, the special treatment. Yeah. Because he is very, I mean, he's well known to any halfway internet savvy American audience. Mm-hmm. 
So when he comes on anecdotally, it wasn't even on a show. It was just him, you know, selfie two-minute clip right? saying, so, yeah, I was sick. We're going to have to postpone a show. What happened was I came down with COVID. Day one is shitty. Day two, my doctors, my doctors said ivermectin. Yeah. He took it. Day three, feel great, back to work. Yeah. And that is why it was dangerous because he, he was anecdotally yeah, validated, punching yeah. a big hole in, yeah. at least for the, as far as um, washing the brains of Americans mm-hmm. is concerned. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the flip side. The flip side is uh, the propaganda is not working on a lot of the, the third that Fauci is having wet dreams about getting. Yeah. You see? Yeah. That's what's driving them into further and further desperation and further and further, you know, increasingly extreme, extreme measures. Um, something to look forward to. The Socialist Party in France has introduced a bill in the French Parliament, which if it becomes law in October, so it's still in the works, it's going to mandate that everyone be vaccinated. They haven't stipulated an age requirement, but that is presumably going to include children. Hmm. As to justify this uh, shift in policy... A spokesperson said, well, it's simple, really. Equality. Equality under the law, under the COVID law. Because you're not vaccinated, we're not equal. Mm-hmm. You're going to get this. We all pay the price. It's, it's gas because the, you can see it driving them. Anecdotally, you can see how angry they get. Many people who have been vaccinated, so they're fully bought in to this thing, yeah. right? yeah. There's a lot of anger on their side too when there's people resisting and saying, no, I won't. Because they they have buyer's they, yeah. they fear at the back of their mind buyer's, buyer's remorse. remorse. Yeah. Or they want to want other people so to So everyone better get this. Yeah. To val- to, to, so that we have an equal chance of succumbing to Russian roulette here. Yeah. And the five percent this thing takes, if it's ever that high, yeah. means that you're statistically statistically will spread right. the statistical numbers who will to come, but also people yeah. the vaccine adverse effects. If so the do. more who get it, the more protected I am yeah. in this game of Russian roulette. If well, if they if they have that much, some of them maybe, but I think a lot of them are pissed off at people who don't like unvaccinated people resisting the vaccination because it it brings into question their decision to get vaccinated. You know what I mean? I mean, if I get vaccinated, I think it's awesome, and I buy into the narrative about how it's awesome, and everybody should get vaccinated because everybody could die from COVID at any moment, and you need to get vaccinated to save your life. If I buy into that, and then I see people who are saying, "No, I'm not getting vaccinated because I don't need it," I start to go, "Well, I start to have to question my whole narrative about it, the narrative that I bought into." And I'd rather people, rather everybody else in society, backed up my reality, basically, you know, supported my reality rather than a bunch of them out there kind of questioning my reality, you know, questioning my decision, you know. Um, in France, talking about France, yeah, um, RT Scotty has a good long list of um, of Twitter um, protests. Thousands. This was two days ago. Again, as we, I don't know if we were saying it on the show, whatever we've been covering the protests in France and in other places over the over the summer. Uh, during August in France, there were quite you know large numbers of people. There were 250 protests on Saturdays around the entire country. Numbers you know depended you know 250, 300, 400 thousand, whatever. But that was during the summer holidays when most people are away. Uh, we kind of have been predicting that in September there would be a lot more, and it seems to be the case. <clears throat> that um, yeah, once people are back from holidays, and then on Saturdays 
there's a lot more uh, a show of force, basically, yeah. among the population. Big time, big time. This was in Paris. I mean, <clears throat> Paris easily... Police claimed just 18,000 yeah, at that one in Paris. It's kind of crazy. There's multiple protests in Paris on Saturdays, and, you know, there are people saying that there easily could have been a million people in Paris yesterday against uh, against these measures. Now, you remember, they're not against vaccination per se. They're against the restriction of people's civil liberties yeah. when they decide, make the personal choice not to get vaccinated because they've decided that they don't need to and that there's no health repercussions for themselves or for anybody else because they don't get vaccinated. That's what they're protesting about, about being unfairly treated and for making that choice. A chant that's increasingly popular is touche pas nos enfants, don't touch our kids. Don't touch our kids. That's really galvanizing a lot of people, as you can imagine. Vaccinated and unvaccinated. Yeah, because adults can make the decision to get vaccinated or not vaccinated, but if you have children, it's, you know, you're, you're crossing a red line, really, when, when you try and... For a lot of people, you're crossing a red line when you try and force things on their children and take, as we've seen with the Canadian guy, the government basically deciding that it has more control over your children than you do. Uh, Paris, yeah, just scroll down a little bit more. The next one. There's a bunch of them you can see. Uh, that one, now they're in Paris. Those are all Par- Those are all four from Paris, gay in Paris. There are multiple ones in the city, you know. Um is that one Paris as well? Are they all Paris? Mm-hmm. All Paris. Um, yeah, well, there were there were plenty. There's one in... Uh, was one... There's ones all over, big cities all over um, all over France. Um, Albertville, blah, blah, blah. There's too many. Literally, if you look at the map, it's it's like on, a, on, a, on any given Saturday, like I said, yeah. 250 different towns and cities. Possibly higher, but... Yeah. but the numbers are straight. Oh, look See, at Valence. Go, go back. Go back to Valence. To so Valence has a population of 64,000 people. 64, people. Something in the order of a tenth of the population of that city was out. Yeah, a tenth. Yeah, a tenth. A tenth. a tenth is a lot. Uh, if you get the, imagine a tenth. And you multiply like, that across hundreds of cities. Well, I mean, it's instead of like Paris, it's a million people. You know, a tenth of the population. In a city like New York, it's about whatever whatever New York is, like it's 600,000, 700,000 people, you know. In big cities, it's a lot of people. And you can always assume, as a rule of thumb, you can assume that the number of people are actually willing to get out on the streets and, and spend their time marching. There's a, You can multiply it by a factor of two or three or four. Uh, who of feel the strongly. People who feel the same way, support them, but uh, for whatever reason aren't actually out in the streets. So, yeah. That, that's why protests, while they might seem small, relatively small in the country, that's why they kind of tend to worry government and why they can affect change in government policy because the government knows, uses that rule of thumb, that there's a lot more people who support these people than we're, out in the, than we're actually out in the streets, you know. Um, while uh, clearly lying about the numbers right. that are out there. Paris, they said 18,000 total. One of the demonstrations was a guy, he didn't use a drone, but he used, you know, like a camera on a large selfie stick, he, wa- he counter-walked from the beginning of the procession to the end of it, mm-hmm. then did a time-lapse speed-up where you see the whole thing in two minutes. Mm-hmm. It's about 10 across, ten, let's, for argument's sake, 10 people across at any point in time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's more densely packed, and it's five kilometers long. And that's it's lovely. one of the four major demos in Paris. Yes, yeah. well, the police said total in Paris eighteen thousand. That's ridiculous. I mean, so much bullshit. That's downplaying on the order on two orders of magnitude. Yeah. I say it's more like a million plus in Paris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three hundred cities across the country, big and small. There's so much disinformation out there, you know. Uh, and the only information that you're meant to take seriously is anything that comes from official sources. 
because people and people a lot of people believe that because they won't allow for the fact like I was saying at the beginning of the show they won't allow for the fact that authorities would actually have their own hidden agenda and would be you know misrepresenting things or outright lying to the population most people well they don't want to go there they go there on certain things but on not something, on, on not small on this. things yeah they they know that they'll they'll be the same people to tell you well politicians are corrupt yeah yeah they're on the take all the time jesus yeah. they know that but yeah. It's the big lie. And the problem is the bigger the lie, the less likely. As the Nazis famously were very self-aware of, the, the more reticent they are to, to broach the cognitive distance of why. Right. Because that it's requires harder. a lot of brain pain yeah. to go from here all the way over there. That they would do that. Yeah. We can accept that they would do certain things. They would fill their pockets. They would do little things, take some money from here or whatever, or get cash for you know for favors or whatever. And you can let them away with that. But the big things, no, they would never be so so monstrous, so so criminal. They would, the criminality doesn't extend that far because if it does, I'm screwed. So I can't believe that. I actively have to refuse in my own mind or subconsciously. I actively have to disbelieve the idea that the government would do something along the lines of a big lie because, well, what kind of world do I live in then? What, uh, how can I live in such a world? You know, how can I navigate it? It's, it's, it's impossible. I mean, it puts people in an impossible position where the very fact that the government is able but to do something do like it, that. Life is, is very easy to navigate without them. No, well, it's easy to navigate without them, but the problem is that the implication in a big lie is that for, for the average person ah. is that it makes life harder. Well, it obviously makes life... No, it's, it's that no. they, the government... The implication in a big lie is you're implying something that a involves a, a lot of power and a lot of influence. A threat, basically. Well, a threat based on the level of power that the big lie implicates or implies, sorry, um, that the government has and what it's willing to do. You know what I mean? You can deal. Ordinary people can deal with little petty tyrants or little nasty little politicians or whatever, because they can always be voted out. But if you're positing something that involves the entire system, or that something, someone, or some group that controls the entire system, well, then for the average person, there's nothing they can do about that. You're implying that there's some monstrous and awesome level of power and control over the population that, by by, by definition, they can't do anything about. They They can do something about the petty tyrant politician. They can vote them out of power. But what you're proposing, or we might propose in terms of this COVID business, that's something that just by, by definition, by its very nature, is something that is so... You know, what's that phrase about the, from the guy that talked about... Um, who was it said that about the, in the halls of power? There's a power... On the, there's a, there's a, there's, who's that guy? I wish I had that quote. Uh, that, f- that men fear to speak its name or wh- only whisper its name and stuff like that. Who was that? High, Eisenhower? High Cabal. Um, that, Churchill? No, Eisenhower. Maybe. It was Eisenhower, yeah. Um, he, he, it implies a threat they can't do anything about. Specifically, they can't vote out of office. That's the thing that makes them go, okay, so then what? But to know the threat is actually to be free up your mind to be able to navigate the source, the real sources of the threat mm. and to not end up like those idiots in police mandated hotel quarantines in South Australia. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, yeah. If they can, if what they, think they, they believe themselves in a bind, but there is a way out of it. It's, it's yeah. Wilson. Woodrow Wilson. 
just looked it up. He was in a position to know. Since I entered politics, I have chiefly had men's views confided to me privately. Some of the biggest men in the United States in the field of commerce and manufacture are afraid of somebody, afraid of something. They know that there's a power somewhere so organized, so subtle, so watchful, so interlocked, so complete, so pervasive that they had better not speak above their breath when they speak in condemnation of it. That was in his book, The New Freedom, 1913. Uh, that's the kind of thing I was talking about. That that, it opens up, you know, that idea to the average person that, that, that this might be the case and then what, do you, what is any member of the public, ordinary member of the public, going to do about uh, a power so organized, so subtle, so watchful, so interlocked, so complete, so pervasive that you better not speak above your breath when you speak in condemnation of it, you know. You know, you can take it for... Take it, take it uh, for what it is, you know, from Woodrow Wilson, but uh, it it kind of fits. For me, it fits when you when you look at this situation, you know. It, I don't necessarily mean some kind of necessarily that it's all about some conspiring cabal sitting in a back room planning all this or whatever, but that there is some kind of a, an influence, a mass mind influence or something that's impacting society right now that is uh, is pretty fearsome and would and when people get a view of it uh, that they really do get the impression that it's yeah. this is something I can't do anything yeah. about. It's, it's I can not empathize can with the, inst- the impulse to flee it. To yeah. flee realization. To flee into denial yeah. and take the easy way out and, and, and believe the comfortable narrative. Yeah. It's easier. It is important to empathize with those people because a lot of others out there are getting angry. They say they're relatively new to this realization themselves. Well, they, they're turning on those they still see as problematic and authoritarian and so mm-hmm. on and directing their anger at them i mean all kinds of tweets about how you know you can see how that leads into a civil war type situation where it's neighbor against neighbor family member against family member but um the correct response is actually empathy for them and at the same time maintaining healthy Bound- boundaries, boundaries yeah. from them yeah um there were no major protests around the world in the last just the last three or four days Brussels also yesterday, Tel Aviv. Every week there's protests every weekend in Tel Aviv for yeah. the remaining minority. There is a clear minority, but they're consistently protesting Tel Aviv. Mm-hmm. Big one in Vancouver. Um, I think in part there is inspired by similar moves in Europe and the United States. Mandatory healthcare, mandatory vaccines for healthcare workers. They're like, no, we don't want that. Athens, same thing. Mandatory vaccines for healthcare workers inspired protests in Athens. Big ones, much bigger than than in the um, English speaking world. Uh, there's some video footage, but I don't see any follow ups on it, of truckers starting to block highways in Australia. Yep, that'll be one to watch. Um, and a funny one. I don't know if we want to watch it because they're not speaking in English, but. Protesters wearing yellow vests stormed a live news broadcast on um, Slovenian state channel mm. to demand that the newscasters stop reading that shit That's off the it. teleprompter and instead please report. In fact, they, I think maybe maybe Scotty knows what they said. You might have a. Do you have to translate for Scotty? Um, <laughs> okay. Here it is. I think the gist of it was they just said, stop reading that shit on the teleprompter and you're going to start reporting what we want to <laughs> That'd see. That would be awesome if they could do that. It's not the first time people have tried to storm uh, TV studios. No. 
and the police. Police coming in behind them to get them out. There they are in the yellow vest. I wonder if it was a broadcast. I wonder if it was live. You know? Maybe not. It would have been cool if it was live, you know? But that, that is my dream, actually. I'm looking forward to seeing... I have this, like... It's on my wish list. <clears throat> Someone is in the middle of a live broadcast and somebody else, their protesters come in and either demand that they say this or just yeah. simply push them out of the chair and say sorry. So here's the actual state of play out there, people. Martina can uh, Martina on the chat can uh, translate for us, she said. <laughs> it's prob it's pro the probably the description is uh, more or less what they what they said it was. Um as protesters everywhere are saying the media is the virus. Um I want sure is. I want to show up something. Can you pull up the two um Toronto Star headlines? from last week headlines and the cover images so this is the first one i think it's from early last week yeah toronto star in canada i think they're they've done this montage where they're either for real or descriptively summarizing and citing your authoritarian viewpoint on this i have no empathy for the willfully unvaccinated let them die. And that sentiment is shared by a lot of such people. Mm. Okay. That's several days prior. This is Toronto Star yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Why is there maybe, you know, look at your own newspaper. Maybe. I don't know. Let them die. What's wrong with you people? Why Let them die. So angry? That's journalism right there today. Journalism today. Um, what are you going to do about it? Well, you got to... Well, in Slovenia, they have a good idea. Take take it over. Yeah. Or ignore them. Ignore them if you can. Do, um, do what we do. Try and read through what they're saying to get a real read on the situation. You can still do that. No matter what they say, no matter what they pull, no matter where the narrative shift, they're always telling you other things by what they're leaving out. Right. And by what they're trying to get you to focus on at any given time. Timing's important. Mm -hmm. Look at the, the return this week of the spate in stabby jihadi attacks. Yeah. New Zealand. Right. Extends a lockdown and then lo and behold, there's a stabby jihadi incident. Yeah. First time since Christchurch, which of course evokes memories of the Christchurch mm -hmm. massacre. Mm -hmm. Jacinda gets up there. I'm so, it's, you know, I can't even do her accent. It's so terrible. I <laughs> awful Kiwi accents. No offense to all the good Kiwis out there, but I can't stand that woman's voice. But she gets up and she gets the the um, the messaging of isn't this awful, despicable a terror attack? Yeah. Well, that's the first thing labeling it a terror attack. I mean, right. he stabs a few people in a shopping mall. Yeah, okay, ISIS inspired. That happens all the time. ISIS inspired. But they get the hardline. Right? We know he was ISIS inspired. Well, we were following. We're him calling it a terror attack. Yeah, they were following him all the way. They knew him for five years. They blocked his exit from the country because they suspected he was trying to get into Syria mm -hmm. to fight for ISIS in mm -hmm. 2016. Mm -hmm. 
They knew him so well, they were tracking his movements from his home to the shopping mall in New Lynn in northern uh, New Zealand. They had armed police on the scene, couldn't intervene quite soon enough. He got to stab six people, three are in critical condition. Then they shot him dead, case closed. But uh, whatever about the details of that, it's just a bizarre synchronicity of ISIS, in quotes, Mm -hmm. and the kind of emergency the use of emergency powers by the state. Mm-hmm. That's one example. Breaking news today, I don't have any follow-up on it, but that is another stabby jihadi incident has taken place in Berlin. Mm-hmm. The third, um, they're just two incidents. Did you? Did I send you the Bloomberg link about the Swiss report? Let's have a look at this. This is reported not in connection with any of these incidents. <clears throat> August 29th, so a week ago, Switzerland warns of terror attacks on vaccine sites. So you're like, well, okay, I can, that's presumably people who are strongly enough against vaccination sites that they're willing to engage in in sabotage and acts of violence at vaccine centers. But no, the Swiss Federal Intelligence Service is warning of potential terror attacks on vaccine sites and scroll down a bit, see who they have in mind for doing this. Attacks attacks on such targets would both hit large crowds and generate intensive media coverage. Swiss intelligence is concerned about attacks from jihadist groups. So the implied merging of narratives here would be that ISIS is going to now intervene on the part of people who are against what's happening on yeah. the vaccination. And they would... That- yeah, that oh, second, terrorist acts that second paragraph and show there, Scotty, just highlight that last part. No, the second, the third paragraph down. Then that's a Swiss intelligence is concerned about attacks from jihadist groups. The newspapers reported so far, there are no tangible indications of planned attacks. <laughs> I know. So you're like, did they just pull that out of their asses? Well, well it's kind of like COVID, sort yeah. of. You see, we're, we're, the, the factual reality is there were have been twenty two vandalizations up to including the very careful destruction of vaccine stocks Mm -hmm. at vaccination sites in France Mm -hmm. in July and August. Mm -hmm. 22 at the last count that I'm aware of across the country. People have gone in at night and either one of them was clever. They didn't quite set a fire and burn the whole place down. They set enough of a fire to turn off the sprinklers, which flooded the place and it could no longer be used. In another place, they vandalized with graffiti. And in the third place still that I know of, they went in and actively destroyed the stocks. They broke open the cases holding the Pfizer Moderna vaccines and damaged them only. Um, Another another one was an arson attack and they did try to burn it down. Mm. So that's actually what's ongoing. Mm. And then you've got an intelligence service coming in as if off stage left Uh and you've got a merging of Terror yeah. narrative. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, it's, it's not surprising that they would do so that. So that might be something to. They made a lot of hay out of the, the terrorism business over the past twenty years. So um, I'm not surprised they'd be merging the two. And it, it's an, an interesting connection to make between the two, uh, as if it's as if it suggests a kind of a common source between terrorism and uh, COVID measures. Hmm, interesting. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah. Do we have anything more? Do we want to say something on the briefly on the extreme weather event, the U.S. Northeast last week? Yeah, people need to watch out for the weather. It'll blow you away. 
It'll blow you It'll, it'll flood you out. It'll, it'll drown you, basically. No, it's crazy, yeah. yeah it's, it's crazy. crazy. Um, People have to start, what, start paying attention to that as on well. On the face of it, there was no reason to. Because it's commonly known that when the remnants of an Atlantic fuck, uh, volcano, hurricane, make their way through land in the United States, they're, they're, they're relatively tepid yeah. by the time they hit New York, yeah, New Jersey, that. Pennsylvania, the northeast of the country. But they were completely blindsided. Yeah, 40 All, some it people reminds killed. me of what happened in Germany in July, the extent of the flooding. Yeah. Another factor. Except this was, in a, this was in relatively flat New York City in Manhattan. You know right. what I mean? And across the, the, the northeast of the US and, and different places. But in New York, I mean, there were, I mean, it was just a torrential downpour and it just didn't stop. And there were, it just flooded basements. There was 40 some, 40 some people killed uh, as a result of the flooding. I mean, various different reasons, but some. Oh, no, the death toll's up today. Is it's, it up today? It's, the death toll's now 64 okay. and rising. I don't think they have a full picture of what no, happened. Maybe not. But it's there were at least a dozen large tornadoes on the right. approach to the, to the major cities, urban centers. So that's something that has an extra... Pa- Indeed, it classically, it followed the pattern. They are, the hurricane speed winds are slower as they come through land in the United States. But what should not have happened is the volumes of rainfall because they didn't have a warm sea over which to accumulate that rainfall mass, yeah. according to the traditional models, which yeah. is why they were blindsided. Yeah. They didn't. It's, this isn't totally different to say the hurricane that hit. Oh, I forgot the name, but the big ones, for example, in Katrina. recent years, Katrina. They, they, they knew in New Orleans that they were watching that coming in. They knew it would be bad. Similarly, with the one in New York and New Jersey in Halloween several years Sandy. ago, Sandy knew it would be, had good prep. Everyone was psyched for it. This they were totally blindsided because yeah. where on earth is it accumulating that extra moisture yeah. to flood basements in New York? Yeah. You know, it was horrific. I think 20, some 22 people were killed because they couldn't get out of their basement right. apartment. But another 22 people plus were killed by the tornadoes directly. Hmm. Extremely destructive tornadoes. Where does that energy come from? It doesn't follow the normal modeling yeah, of a waning hurricane often, system. You don't often hear of... Uh, Tornadoes in the vicinity of New York or in even New York State, it's not a very, Far less it's not than, a very common thing south. to happen, you know. And obviously it was it coincided with the remnants of of, of that Hurricane Ida, you know. So okay. well, that's people should look at our, our monthly earth changes video. We do a roundup of monthly earth changes. We call it a, call them earth changes, but it's just basically crazy wild weather around the world over the previous month. And we just released one there a few days ago for the month of August. And you should just take a look at it. And it's there's loads of different events in it, but the one that dominates and has been dominating for months and months now is rain. Massive amounts of rainfall across the world. And the implication of that is that if that continues, it's going to eventually probably impact food production. When you have that level of across the world of extreme change in, in climate, basically in terms of what people expect and for one season compared to another, you're not getting that anymore. And it it's going to affect uh, food production at some point. And it'll happen, you know, there'll be, there'll be a lag, basically. But it's, it's going to affect it in one way or another, and people should, be, should watch out for it, you know. The most extraordinary thing about the volume of rain that fell in the U.S. Northeast on Thursday isn't the high death toll or the fact that multiple tornadoes killed the same numbers of people again. It's the fact that the region's rainfall records for one hour volume, that's you know the intensity a deluge can pack, uh, can uh, can punch. 
and the over the 24-hour accumulative falls, which is what decides whether or not there'll be flash flooding and the sudden rise in rivers, was those records were broken in that region on Thursday. Those records from many sites, it's not completely ubiquitous to the region, those records were 10 days old. Mm-hmm. They were set 10 days prior. Can you pull it up, Scotty? We have it on site. When Henry, Storm Henry, right. was it the remnants of another hurt? Was Hurricane Storm Henry? Henry. I, Storm Henry. Came in from the Atlantic. Gives New York City its rainiest hour in recorded history. On August 22nd. Right. So 10 days later. Henry dropped record-breaking rainfall for New York City. It only survived 10 days. That, that's what I'm talking about. It's the intensity of increasing yeah. cascading back events. Back to back, yeah. Um, another one before we sign off on that. Colorado shatters its record for flash flood warnings in a single year. So it's a cumulative thing for 2021. 2021 is only eight months old. Colorado has had three times as many flash flood warnings in a single year than its average number. Mm-hmm. So again, the, you've got long-term cumulative changes and in the short-term local effects, cascading increases week on week. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is like... But isn't that all our fault though, the climate change? And if you're to believe the British government who's messaging for the upcoming climate change conference, yes, indeed, as people And fault. do we need a lockdown to save the planet? To stop climate change, I mean. What, we we'll all be locked down in our basements while, while the flood water flies? Yeah, That's what yeah, they'd yeah, love, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Lock in your basement and whenever the floods come. Uh, seems legit to me. Anyway, um, yeah, so things be crazy out there, you know. Um, it's pretty pretty mad. Uh, it's hard to keep track of it. Uh, it's hard to it's hard to rationalize it, you know, and I think it's going to get harder and harder to rationalize it and to make sense of it, you know. I know a lot of people are just giving up trying to make sense of it and they're just carrying along and they're just doing the la, 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 everything's fine, just carry on, whatever, just keep my keep my head down. And, but I don't think it's going to be possible to keep your head down for forever, you know. Things are going to intrude in, in, in such a way on people's lives that um, that you're going to have to be able, you're going to have to sit up and take notice and when you sit up and take notice, you're going to have to be able to deal with it, you know. So it's probably better that you don't Psychologically. Keep, keep your head in the sand in that respect until something comes along that really you know blows your head out of the sand because you're going to be unprepared for it so you really should it, it, there's, a, there's a lot of benefit to actually you know even though it's difficult to paying attention continuing to pay attention to to what's going on and continuing trying to figure it out and seeing behind the scenes basically and seeing behind the headlines like we've just been doing looking you know, reading beyond the headlines and and, and and doing your own research and looking at you know, looking for a, a deeper truth, or not even a deeper truth, a more objective truth than the media tends to uh, tends to portray. Because as we've just shown, the media definitely does have an agenda. The media is very closely associated with government in terms of government messaging. No more so in the time, in the in the moment, or in the period of a crisis when the government announces a crisis, then the media, the mainstream media, is absolutely required and very willing to get on board with government messaging. They basically become. Uh, a spokesperson for government and it's all for the public good so people need to understand that and the reason you would look behind that and not accept that simply as it is is because well you you need to have a healthy level of skepticism about government policies and intentions and what their purpose is and that don't simply accept all the time that it's for the public good that's way too naive 
It's it's not reflective of 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 very normal, common human nature. You don't have to go into kind of psychopathology or any kind of pathology. It's just even normal human behavior. People you know in your own life uh, or throughout your life, experience you've had with people who, you know, have hidden agendas and are up to no good and in it for themselves. You have to be able to allow that yeah. to be a reality yeah. among go- among politicians and people in position of power. In fact, the argument is that there's a reasonable argument that you should allow that even more so for people in, the, in those positions because yeah. the you know, old adage of power corrupts and absolute po- power corrupts absolutely it, it should be taken you know seriously like not applied across the board but taken seriously so uh, you need to look behind by definition you need to look beyond the headlines because that's simply coming from the government they're just the media yeah. is simply repeating government mantras to you and we're suggesting that governments it's, there's a good chance, given depending on the situation, that governments don't always have your best interest at heart. They, they can't. They don't. They're not interested in you, in you as an individual. Governments look at the population of any given country, say in France or in the UK, uh, 65, 70 million people in the US, 300 million people. Do you think any government official feels for each of those 300 million people or each of those 70 million people has a personal relationship with you and thinks about your your welfare? They see you as a morass, as a rabble, basically that is to be controlled. And they'll control you in whatever way they see fit. Now, if you don't want to be controlled, then you're going to have to sit up and take notice and look beyond what governments say because their goal in their messaging is always to, in one way or another, control you. If you don't like being controlled, you gotta, well, you got to take back control yourself and make decisions for yourself. And that starts with thinking and, you know, researching and making decisions for yourself. So on that basis, so... Um, it's not rocket science, but it's very hard for a lot of people. And I suppose, like you said, we have to have empathy for them and stuff because most people out there are just trying to get on and get on with their lives and you know live life as 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 as, as best they can. But you got to be careful as well for the Karens and the Darrens. Uh, you know, you can't be naive yourself. Yeah, empathise with them, but the harsh reality and harsh is even the <coughs> the right way of from one perspective, it is harsh, but evolutionarily speaking as they're fond of pulling out themselves reality uh, it seems to be saying mm-hmm. to each of us as a group individually that the sine qua non necessity for entering the new reality the new normal whichever form it takes is that you must question authority mm-hmm. there'll be no room for followers yeah at least not to the Blind extent, yeah. That most people are used. To. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those people are, are get used and abused, basically. You know, um, they're in a dangerous position. Anyway, uh, we'll see how it goes. We'll be charting. Whatever happens, we'll be charting it as it goes, whichever direction it goes. Pretty sure it's not going to be up. It's at the very least going to be you know south, somewhat downward slope. Could be precipitous. Could not. Maybe precipitous at a certain point. Uh, but we'll uh, we'll keep tracking it and keep you all updated on on what we think is going on anyway, as long as we're allowed to stay here and have our say. Uh, so yeah, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, liking. Thanks for commenters. Thanks for chatters. Uh, subscribe. All that stuff. What did Tommy say last week? Push all the buttons. Do Push all that all stuff. Push all the buttons. <laughs> Do all that stuff. Push all the buttons at once. Uh, so yeah, we'll be back next week. So have a good one. Stay safe. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. Can't stop the signal now.